Good morning. Welcome to FAM Church. Uh, once again, it's great to have every church is here to connect people to Christ. And so that's why we're doing the pancake breakfast next uh, in two weeks for the community is we just want to connect people with Christ. We're trying to do everything that we can to connect this community to Christ. And if you're in church for the first time or the first time in a long time, we're really glad that you're here this morning. And, and we believe that God has is going to connect you to Christ. Now, if you're here this morning because your cable got cut off, and uh, you figured you'd come down and watch uh, the service in person rather than on TV, you're at the wrong church because we're not on TV. But we're glad that you're here this morning. And so sit back and relax because we believe God has something to say to you this morning. And this week we are on uh, uh, message eight of our letters from Patmos series. Message eight next week is message nine and we're done. And then we're moving into the Christmas season. Can you guys believe that it's Christmas already? Who's excited for Christmas? Not very many people. Okay, we got like one person who's excited for, the Chris, uh, for Christmas. I'm surprised all the kids aren't excited. I mean, you get gifts. That's always good, right? No? Okay. All right, Aubrey, Aubrey's down with giving, getting gifts. That's good. All right, but then we're moving on to our Christmas series called It's a Wonderful Life. And so that's what we're going to be doing in the month of December. It's a wonderful life. Um, but uh, we've got to finish up Revelation here, uh, the first three chapters anyway, and uh, letters that were Jesus had written to churches in Asia Minor. That's, what, uh, that's what's going on here. And uh, uh, we started chapter three last week. And if you missed any of the messages, uh, you can go to myfamchurch.com. You can go to our app, uh, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and listen there. There's all kinds of venues for you to get caught up on what you missed out on here at FAM. But last week... We're at the church in Sardis. And if any of you remember anything from the church in Sardis last week, this church was a bad, bad church. Jesus had nothing nice to say to this church. As a matter of fact, we compared it to having your doorbell rang, you opening the door, and the person standing there punching you in the face, okay? I mean, that's what Jesus says, hey, what's up? And he just nailed this church. And this church was struggling. This church was having issues. This church was having problems. And um, um, Jesus, uh, the church was dying and Jesus didn't want this church to die. He wanted this church to live. And so he, he challenged them. And, and what, we, what we discovered in looking at that was that the challenge needed to get themselves back on track. They needed to get themselves heading in the right direction. They needed to once again move from being a church that was focused on themselves, that was looking at everybody else in the church and pointing out everyone else's sins and saying, you're this and you're that and you need to fix that. I'm good. You're not. And get past those things and move on to the mission that Jesus had for that church, which was to reach the city of Sardis with the gospel. And what we saw as a church that meant for us is that we need to do the same thing. We need to not look at what others are wearing, what others are doing, what others are saying, and instead be focused on ourselves and look at ourselves and challenge ourselves in areas that we have sin and struggles in and to, and to move the ball forward with Jesus in telling people about who he is and getting on board with his mission. And that's what we looked at last week. And so uh, we're going to move on to today, today, to today's message. That's really hard to say. And uh, we're going to talk sports, right? Everybody likes to talk sports, don't they? Some people like to talk sports. Some people don't. You guys don't want to talk about anything today, do you? You're just kind of staring at me uh, with these blank stares on your face. Does everybody have a favorite sports team? Okay, everybody's got a favorite sports team. I think it doesn't matter what sport it is. It could be football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, uh, lacrosse. I don't know. Does anybody watch professional lac lacrosse on TV? Anyone? 
No? That's a pretty, uh, pretty fun-looking sport. I've watched it a couple of times. But, uh, so when you're watching your team play a game, do you want the game to be a blowout or do you want it to be a close nail-biter where the game is in doubt until the end? Who's a nail-biter person? Oh my gosh. So you guys really like stressful lives. Is that what you're saying? Because I personally would rather have my team walk out onto the field and just destroy some people. Just mop the deck with them. You know what I'm saying? I don't want no nail biter. I've got enough stress and issues in my life already that I don't need them coming from my favorite sports team. And so when my team is on the field, my hope, my desire, my, my everything is that they will walk out there. By halftime, it's going to be 63 to nothing. And so if I've got something else to do, I can go do it knowing that this game is locked up. Okay, I don't like the stress that comes with that. I like seeing teams being blown out, especially when it's my team doing the blowout. And if it's my team that gets blown out, that makes life easier too because at halftime I can shut the game off and go do something that I need to do, right? And so it just makes life so much less stressful. Now some of you, you didn't like that. You don't like it. It's not, it, I like to be competitive. I like things to be fair. Okay, so let me place this in a, fr- so let's say your kid has the capability to get all A's in all of their classes, okay? They have that capability within them. But they get B's, they get C's, they sometimes get D's. Are you just going to say, that's okay as a parent? Are you just going to say, you know, I can live with the D's, you know? They're doing their work and they're getting by, they're getting the grade. I mean, Pito always says the phrase, uh, C's get degrees and so he's He's funny. He's always charting to see what he needs to do to get a C in his class so he can get the degree. Anyways, don't tell him I told you that. Um, But uh, um, if our kid can get A's, if they have the capability to get A's, we want them to get A's, right? We beg with them. We plead with them. We take stuff away from them. We maybe even want to fight them in order for them to get A's, right? Because they can do it. They have it in their capability. Why get something lower when you can get something better? You know, or let's think about those of you that have money in the stock market. You've got a 401k, a 403b, a money market account, something like that. And uh, do you want the stock market, if you've got money invested in it, to kind of creep up slowly, just making a penny here and a penny there? Or do you want that thing to take off and fly high until you are done and you are ready to get out of it? Okay, so we want to blow out when it comes to our money. Why is that? More, more, more. Okay. Yeah, we, we, as a general rule in life, we are in it to win it, right? We want to win and win big. But here's the deal. Jesus, he wants the same thing for his church, okay? He also wants the same thing in your personal life. God's hope is that is not that the church is just going to barely squeak by. God's hope is not that your life is barely going to squeak squeak by, that you'll win more than you lose. See, Jesus has called us and called the church to win and win big. Now, let me clarify what I mean by that here because... uh, we had a discussion believe that are totally jacked up. And uh, one of the things they believe is that as long as you're, you're, uh, you're a good spiritual person, God's going to reward you and bless you financially and your life is going to be this amazing overflow of finances and things. That's not what I'm talking about here when I say win big. See, Jesus has called the church to run up the score on sin, on death, and on the devil. 
Okay, that's who Jesus has called us to run up the score on. Okay, and so what this means is that we as individuals and we as a church should be pushing and pushing and pushing in our lives to see Jesus run up the score, taking people back from the grasps of hell, grabbing people from the edge of death and destruction and pulling them back to where God is moving and working in their lives. Second Peter 3.9 says this, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, his goal is that everyone who's ever lived on this earth would come to Jesus and know him as their Lord and Savior. I mean, that's a type A driven person right there that doesn't stop, that doesn't quit, that keeps going until the game is over, running up the score as high as he possibly can. And so with that, we're going to turn to Revelation chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 13. Uh, If you're familiar with where Revelation is at in the Bible, you are welcome to turn there. It's the last letter uh, in the New Testament uh, at the end of the Bible. So you can just go to the end of the Bible, start paging backwards. That's where you can find it. Uh, If you don't know where it's at, that's cool. We're going to have it on the screen. Just a reminder, if you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, uh, at our Fam Connections desk, you can get a Bible immediately after service. They'll give you a brand new one. You just have to go and ask them. And so let's read uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. This is what it says. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens no one can shut, and what he shuts no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole earth to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, New Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right, so this letter was given to the church in Philadelphia. Now, when some of you heard that, you just thought of cheesesteaks and you got really hungry. Can't wait to get out of church, maybe. Well, that's, that's the wrong Philadelphia, okay? Uh, this is the ancient city of Philadelphia that was an ancient miner. And uh, it was a city. It was in a very bad area, actually, to build a city. It was in an earthquake zone. And so this church or this city constantly had trouble with earthquake quakes and the whole city actually being destroyed, okay? And the city got its name from a, from a king who wanted to honor his brother, and so he loved his brother, and he said, well, what better name to uh, honor my brother by than calling this city Philadelphia? Philadelphia means brotherly love. I'm sure many of you have heard that because uh, they use that same phrase when they talk about Philadelphia here in the United States. Um, I don't know. Um, I haven't heard too much brotherly love coming out of the Philadelphia here in the United States. Uh, however, that's what the, the word means. And, uh, and so this city was there, and it, but it just, like I said, it endured constant earthquakes. It endured constant uh, disasters uh, in, it, within its walls. I mean, the, uh, 
One time, Rome actually uh, suspended collecting taxes there because the city had been completely leveled and the people needed all of their money to rebuild their homes, to rebuild their businesses, to rebuild the wall of the city. And as a matter of fact, the wall of the city usually had cracks in it because of the earthquakes. And there were lots of homes that were just halfway built, kind of fallen down, houses even by ancient standards nobody should be living in, but yet people were living in it because they had no other choice and there wasn't a uh, code enforcement to come around and condemn that building and tell people they couldn't live there. And so a lot of times the poorest of the poor in the city of Philadelphia actually lived in buildings that were partially collapsed, that were partially broken down. And so that's what this city spoke to this city that we're going to see in just a few minutes. And, uh, you know, the the thing that people notice, though, when they read this, when they read this section of Revelation is that uh, this is the best church. See, this is the church that has done the most good, that Jesus gives the most praise to. He, this is the good child. How many of you in this room are the good child in your household? You are the one that does things always right and good. You are the one that mom and dad love. You are the one that never gets in trouble. You are the one who is just the most wonderful, amazing person ever. We've got a few of you in here. Can I tell you most of the rest of us hate you? Just, just going to let you know that right up front, okay? We don't like the good child because mom and dad don't like us like they like you. Okay? But even though this church has a lot of positive things said about it and to it, there was a rebuke here from Jesus. It's just that Jesus addressed the rebuke a little bit differently than he did with the other churches. Uh, What was the problem? This is the problem. Jesus says that he has placed an open door in front of the church. These two words, has placed, is in what's called the present perfect tense. And what 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 that means is that this event occurred at some place in the past, but it's still continuing on to today. And so basically, it's saying that A while ago, we don't know how long ago, Jesus opened opened for the church for a while, but the church has not gone through that door. And so this is the kind of issue that Jesus was facing with the church. He's opened the door. The ball has been handed off to this church, and Jesus is saying, look, it's time for you guys to make a decision here now. You've got this open door in front of you. I've handed you the football. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to run through this door and go to where I have you next to score the points that I've called you to score, or are you going to stay back here? And so with that, I want to look at it, explore a couple of things uh, with you this morning. And the first one is this. This church was faithful to Jesus. But just because there was a problem doesn't mean that you can say they weren't faithful. Okay? Jesus honors this church. Jesus praises this church over and over and over again. He wants them to know that of all the churches in Asia Minor, that these guys are, in fact, the best of the best. They endured natural natural disasters without compromising the truth. They endured persecution in the church because there was persecution of the church in this city, and so they endured persecution. They endured financial setback after financial setback as their houses were destroyed, as their crops were destroyed, as their livestock were killed out in the field, as natural disasters came along. But even in all that, they continued and remained 
faithful to Jesus. They reached out to their community. They lived a life that spoke of the difference that Jesus can make. And so they were worthy of the honor they were receiving. But see, faithfulness in tough times can have another effect on us, can it? See, faithfulness in tough times can also make us weary and tired. Talking the tired because you stayed up until 2 o'clock in the morning watching a movie or the game and then had to be up at 6 o'clock the following day. But I'm talking the tired because life seems to constantly come and slap you and smack you and hit you and beat you and push you and stomp on you and just rock you over and over again. Where there seems to be nothing but problems and challenges at every corner that you come and you turn to and you face. And it seems like no matter what you do, you just can't get a win. Because when you spend a lot of time in a place where life is chasing after you, you get a different kind of tired. You get the tired that wants to quit. You get the tired that wants to stop pushing forward. It's the tired that wants to hunker down in a cave and wait for life to be over. And I think many of us can relate to that in here. We've been at that place at one point or another in our life where we've just said, you know what, if I could just go find a cave out in the middle of nowhere and climb into that cave and live there until I died, never seeing another face, never seeing another person again, that would be all right with me. And this is where this church is at. And I don't understand what I wrote here. They have no strength left. They're worn out. They're tired. They've been hammered with natural disaster, personal disaster, persecution for their faith. And that's a recipe for being weary and being tired. Now, I want you to think about your own life and the times that you have gotten weary. Man, we get weary when we're struggling to pay the bills month to month, and no matter what we do, it doesn't seem like we're able to catch up. We get weary when our kids or when even maybe we are constantly sick and constantly have one illness after another. We're at the doctor all the time, and it it makes us weary. We We get weary because friends and family maybe criticize us all the time because of what we're doing, because of how we're living, because of who we are. We get weary When at our job, we have problems and conflicts with people on the job, and maybe the conflict and the problem comes from our direct supervisor who for some reason has decided that they don't like us, and so they make it extra hard and extra difficult on us. We get weary when people die. I mean, in the last week, Dana and I have had two friends uh, pass away, and it was just kind of weird to to just in in a a one-week period, two people pass away. I mean, how does that happen? And And it makes you weary. Some of us look around and we see our country. It just seems like it's falling apart and it's falling in pieces, and we just watch this day after day, and it makes us weary. It makes us tired. It makes us want to quit. It makes us want to give up. But see, when we get weary... When we get tired, we need to remain faithful. Because it's when we are tired, it's when we are weary, that we make bad decisions, especially in things when it comes to our faith. I have had so many people tell me stories in their life of where they've gotten tired, where they've gotten weary, where they've decided that, you know what, um, I, I just, I don't know if I can continue on. And in that place, they've made a terrible decision and it's impacted their life. And they don't remain faithful to God 
anymore. But that's a huge mistake. The reason that's a a mistake is because many times us being faithful to God in those times lead us up to an open door where Jesus is taking us next. See, the church in Philadelphia, they had an open door to something greater. They had an open door standing there in front of them. And Jesus says, look, guys, I've got this door and it's open for you. But you're tired, you're weary, and you're standing on the outside of it and you're not stepping through it. And Jesus is like, come on, step through this door. Come on, move through this door. Because they were standing at the edge, they were standing in front of an open door. He had something new for them, but because of their weariness and their tiredness, they weren't able to push through and go through that open door that he had for them. And so Jesus needed to correct them. And the correction is different, of course, than it was to the other churches. And so I want you guys to picture it like this. So this week, the kids are on vacation from school, and uh, uh, so the kids will be home. And so let's say that uh, on Monday when you leave for work, tomorrow you leave for work, and you tell your kids, listen, I need your room cleaned by the time I get home from work tonight. Okay? How many parents have had that conversation? Okay, yeah, that's like a, that's like a regular thing, right? Okay, so you have that conversation, right? And you come home from work, and the room is still trashed. Okay, and so let's say you go to that child and you say, what happened? I asked you to clean your room and I'm coming home now. You've had eight hours to do it and nothing has taken place. And they say to you, I'm sorry, I was just playing video games all day and uh, I just lost track of time and uh, forgot. Yeah, we're ready to... Some kid is going to have their phone taken away. They're going to have their video games taken away. They're going to get bread and water for the next week. You know, I mean, we're ready. We're ready to do something. Now, let's say that same child answers that question and says to you, man, I got really sick this morning. I was vomiting. I got really tired. It sucked out all of my energy, and I just couldn't do it. Are you going to have the same response that you would in the video game situation? No, you're going to have a completely different response. You're going to be more compassionate to their situation. You're going to be, you know, you're going to, you're going to say to yourself, you know what, I need to handle this in a different way. And see, this is what's happening here in this text, okay? Jesus has chosen a different response to this church and its weakness. He says, listen, you've kept my name. You were faithful. You've kept my word. But he knew they were tired, that they were weary, that they had little strength left. So Jesus, instead of hammering them like he did the other church, He challenged them in a different way because he knew that getting in their face was not the best way to handle it. I mean, what happens when you get into somebody's face and they're weary? You just get up in their face and confront them when they're weary. That usually is the thing that pushes them over the edge to being done, right? And so Jesus, that wasn't his goal. That wasn't his purpose. He wanted to get the church moving forward. He He didn't want to crush them. He just wanted them moving in the right direction again. And so if you are here this morning and you are struggling because you are weary, because you are tired, even though you've remained faithful to Jesus and it feels like the seams of your life are coming undone and the weariness has caused you to stop and pause, you can be confident that Jesus is not going to light you up. 
and hammer you like the other churches. Because a lot of times we read stuff like the, we saw with the other churches and we think that Jesus, that God is always this super intense guy waiting to strike people down and zap people and hammer them and punch them and do all of this crazy stuff, but that's not who he is. He handles each of us based upon where we're at, what we're going through, and what's happening in life. But we also need to know this. We can't stay at that place where we're too weary and too tired to move forward because at some point, have you ever struggled to walk through an open door? Our dog this week, I don't know what was going on, but one morning, uh, he'd been let out and I heard him barking and I knew it was his, hey, I need help bark. You know how your dogs have different barks? Uh, our, dog's got, it, our dog has the give me the food now bark. He's got the uh, I need help bark. He's got the somebody rang the doorbell and nobody's doing anything about it bark. Um, you know, so, uh, and so he's got this, the help me bark. And so I look out, he'd gone, he'd taken his line, he'd gotten tangled up around the downspout of the gutter. And so I went out there, I opened our sliding door, I stepped out, I didn't close it, and I went over and I let him off. And so he takes off, I untangle the thing, I go back to the door, and he's standing in front of the opening to the door, right? He's got his face like about, you know, he he could like literally put his face inside, but he's got it right here. He's wagging his tail, he's doing his let me in the door dance, okay? And, uh, but he wouldn't go in. He just stood there outside of the open door, not realizing that the door was open and he could walk in it. So I stepped around him and stepped in and then he came running right in. Well, this church here, they weren't standing in front of the door that Jesus had open for him, doing their little doggy dance and wagging their tail, you know, hoping to go through the door. But they were standing in front of an open door and they were not going through it. They were not going through it. And what the church failed to realize that was that a lot of the situations and circumstances and stuff that had them weary, if they would have just stepped through that door, probably would have been left behind on the other side. But instead, they stood there waiting. And Jesus is doing the same thing with and for each one of us this morning. Jesus is standing here with an open door asking who is going to go through the open door. Jesus has an open door for each one of us in this room. Jesus has an opening for each one of us to go through, but he also has an opening for fam church as a whole to walk through as well. And so let's start on the personal level. Personally, I don't know what door Jesus has open for you. I don't know what Jesus is waiting on for you to walk through the door, but he has the open door waiting for us. And in order to find out what's on the other side of the door, we have to push through whatever it is that's out here that's keeping us from going in there. It doesn't matter if you are weary It doesn't matter if you are tired. It doesn't matter what things have hit you. It doesn't matter the things that you are standing there saying, God, I don't know about this. The door is open and he wants each one of us to walk through that door. 
contemplating whether or not we should go through that door. We can't sit there saying, geez, I don't know if I should go through that door because what God has for us on the other side of that door is far greater than whatever circumstance, situation, or place you find yourself in right now. Whatever is on the other side of that door, God has something greater in store for you, but it's never going to happen to you. It's never going to come through in your life unless you are willing and able to step through the open door, unless you are willing and able to step through that door to what he has for you. Because the door is not going to be open forever. Yes, the text says that no one can shut it but God, but God's not going to leave it there for, forever. He's got the ball. He's handing it to you and he's saying, look, you can make big plays. Take this ball. Go through that door. Let me do great things through you. But you have to be willing to take the ball and step through the door. Run through it. Run to whatever he's taking you to or through. Don't stop short of the prize. Even if you've been faithful short of the prize, keep moving, keep going. Because it's only in that place that we keep moving and that we keep going that we're going to see the things that, that were back here that left us weary and tired. We're going to see those things go off, get, get off of us and we're going to go to a next place, a next level. And then the second thing is for this church. The do, the God, I believe that uh, the door that God wants to take us through is he wants us to reach this city. He wants us to do something as a church great in Mulberry. I mean, we had one of the city councilmen stop by here a few weeks ago, and he made the comment that, uh, man, fam church is everywhere. I see fam church everywhere. And that's a good thing. I mean, it's been my goal, and I know it's Jesus' goal for people to know who Fam Church is and for people to say, man, where you? you guys are everywhere. You're connecting people with Christ. You're living out your mission. But we cannot be content with the city councilman saying what, what he said. We have to take this open door that Jesus has opened for us, and we have to walk through it. We need to keep walking. We need to keep marching. We need to keep moving forward. But it just can't be me marching forward. It just can't be me and the staff marching forward. It just can't be me, the staff, and a couple of people marching forward. The whole church has to be marching forward into what God has for us. Because we're not going to win and win big if most of the team is sitting on the bench going, let me see what happens to them. I mean, imagine if you were playing on a football team and you were the quarterback and your offensive line sat down on the bench and said, well, let me see what you got first before we decide whether or not we should protect you. That's not a team. If we're a team, we need to get up, get going, and walk through the door that Jesus has for us. Because I believe that God has given us a ball that if we were to take off and we were to really run with the ball that he is here in this city. And so that's the challenge for us here today. I need all of us to stand up, to step through the door, and to keep walking forward. 
to get up and see the door there and say, you know what, I'm not going to let any of this, I'm not even going to let the fact that I've been faithful back here stop me, but I'm going to keep moving forward. Whether it's in your personal life or, or with the church, we just need to keep moving forward. We need to be about the mission and the purpose and the core values. We need to be about telling people about Jesus. We need to be about growing in our faith. We need to be about um, making a difference in people's lives, spending time with one another, you know, gathering here on a Sunday morning for worship. We need to pray together. We need to love and serve each other. We need to have faith and take risks and do everything with excellence no matter what. And as we do that, as we move that forward, as we push through the door, as we get beyond what's happened here at the church in the past and move forward to what God has in store for the church in the future, that's when we're going to see God use us to run up the score on the enemy in our own personal lives and the enemy here in our city because the enemy has had far too much authority for too long here in Mulberry and we need to be sick and tired of it. We need to be sick and tired of it, so sick and tired of it that we just take the ball and we're saying, you know what, God, give me that ball. I won't say what NFL players say, but give me that ball. I'm taking it. That's the guy you want on your team. That's the woman you want on your team that says, give me the ball. I'm going for it. We're going to run up the score. And as we do those things, we're just going to see new door after new door after new door after new door opening in our lives and opening for our church. And so are you ready? Are you willing to take that challenge today? to go through the doors, to not worry about how faithful you've been in the past or what's going on in your life, but to push through and go through that door. If everyone could please stand. God, I come and I pray for us as individuals, for us as a church. Oh, Jesus, that we would grab the ball, that we would run with the ball, that we would go and just run up the score on Satan, on sin, on death, on the devil, to see your victory, to see your kingdom, to see you advance in our lives and in this city. God, use us as vessels of that. Use us as vessels of your mercy, of your grace, of your truth, of living out the gospel for this city so that we can see it changed and transformed. God, make us those people, we pray. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.